So welcome everyone today to the Psalms through the eyes of the living letters. Today we're, we are going to go through Psalms chapter 21, uh, the latter part of the chapter. We started last week with the first part, uh, verses 1 through 8 in the uh, in the King James Version. Now that would be 1 through 7 if you actually are using the Tehillim. Now, uh, again, I would highly suggest that if you can to get a hold of this, it's the Art Scroll series, Schottenstein edition, and it's the Tehillim, and it's a, it's a beautiful way of looking at the, the scriptures because it actually has the Hebrew above it with the English transliteration directly below it, which allows you to see not only the Hebrew letters that are making up the uh, particular sentence, but it also gives you the opportunity to see what that transliteration is. Uh, there you go. There you go. You got one. <laughs> yes, good. All right. And uh, it, it, to me, it really adds a lot to it. So I always, when I go, when we're going through classes, just a reminder for those of you that are joining or those of you that are watching on YouTube, uh, you have the opportunity to, to look at this. And usually what I go through will be this to Halim. Now, from time to time, I will also bring up the King James Version, and I use the Blue Letter Bible to do that. And uh, I love the Blue Letter Bible because it has a lot of different features that a lot of the Bible apps don't have. And one of those being the fact that I can tap on a particular scripture and or and a particular verse specifically, and it will bring up that verse and very similar to the way this Tehillim is set up. It'll have the English excuse me, the Hebrew and then the English directly below that. That to me makes a, a, a huge uh, difference because although you're going to find, just as a hint, I, I now seems like this class, this, this particular class, we're starting off with some understandings of, of how to look into some of these, uh, some scriptures, especially as you're looking at them through the eyes of the living letters. But in the Blue Letter Bible, it is based on the Strong's Concordance. So there is something that I want to make you aware of when you're doing, when you're looking through like the Blue Letter Bible or the Strong's Concordance itself. In the Strong's, the Strong's only uses the root word. It does not actually use the word that is in the original Hebrew text. Now in the Blue Letter Bible, one of the cool things about that is that, like here, I'll show you. I'll show you for an example. Uh, verse six. If I tap on verse six, it gives me a choice. I want to go into the interlinear concordance, and up at the top, I can see the original Hebrew, right? But as I go down here, it does actually. And actually, this has changed a little bit. That's right. I forgot about that. I did forget about that. It used to be that they only had just the uh, the, the the root word, but like if you see here on uh, on most blessed over to the left, you see two Hebrew words directly above. One says uh, baracha, and the other one says barachot. Barachot. All right. The upper word has the bait, the resh, the kaf, the vav, and the tav. That's the barakot. That is the original word that is used in the scripture. 
the root word of barakot. See, barakot in this case is a plural, and it's a feminine plural. So that means it's there's multiplied blessings. But directly below that, you have the root word, which is baracha, baraka, and that literally means the, the bless, or the blessing itself. So this would be the singular version of that. And the root word that was used in the original Hebrew. Does that kind of make sense? Kind of break it down a little bit to kind of give you an idea. So bear that in mind as you're looking through that. The, the, uh, the upper word, the upper Hebrew word, like in under most blessed, is the original. The second one in the Blue Letter Bible, that is, is the actual root word. And there, that allows for a really a lot of great ways of, of being able to learn and be able to see different aspects. Because uh, many times in Hebrew, when you have a plural, it's not just apostrophe S or, or, or an S that's added or an ES that's added to it or anything like that. It's, it's, it can be completely different letters that add to and created a plural or singular or that sort of thing. But each letter speaks. Each letter speaks. For an example, and I'm actually going to go over this in just a minute anyway. But for an example, let me go back over here. Let me go back to most blessed again. Definitely a classroom environment today, but that's okay. It's it, this is good. I think I think it's necessary to do this every once in a while. But let's look at the barakot. If I break that word by the by, down by the living letters itself, it's it's talking about being in. All right, the bait talks about that place of being in. In is the is a, or excuse me, bait is a, a letter that references the house. And it references communion, it, refer it references dwelling, it, it references the place of the two becoming one flesh, if you will. To me, it's a, it's a beautiful place of what I like to call the universe of two, the place of just the Father and I. Resh, Resh not only talks about the mind, and it has a, it has a, it has a connotation that speaks about the mind of man, but it also speaks about the mind of Christ at the same time. So in this case, what I like to, when I look at this, the, the, my heart is drawn towards, and what I hear the Holy Spirit telling me is that the resh here and the meaning of the letter resh here talks about that place of being separated unto holiness. So I'm in the place of the house with the father being separated unto him. So there's that time of just that communion with just us. And it's from there that I begin to see what the Father has done in the palms of his hand. The fact that he has engraven me, and not only has he engraven me on the palms of his hands, but that he has given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Not only that, I also see the living letter cough as a mirror. So as I look into the mirror of Yahweh, I become what I behold. So these blessings, this place where these blessings are talking about, are the fact that I've been separated unto him, and I'm, I'm, I'm in communion with him, and he's making me to look like himself, all right? <clears throat> and then you've got the vav and the tav at the end of this. The vav in this case, I believe, at least what I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me right at this moment, is a connection too, because vav talks about the heaven and earth connection. And so he's connecting it to, he's talking about this place of being set aside, us becoming like that, becoming like him, 
And he's connecting that to the place of the finishing or the place of the marking. In other words, I have marked you as my son. You have become my son. Does that make sense? So there's many different ways that when you go into the Hebrew here, that you can look at a Hebrew word. And it makes it absolutely beautiful because what could, what could speak to me one day in one way can speak to me a whole other way another day. That's why the word is, is living. It's powerful. It's, it's able to, to show us different aspects. Now, does that negate, if, he, if the Father shows me a different way of looking at a Hebrew word, or a different way of using the letters and hearing what the, the Holy Spirit is saying through those letters, is, is it because he shows me that, does it negate the first meaning? Oh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, that's, to me, a good rule of thumb. If it begins to negate or tear down the first meaning or make it as, a, as if it was a lie, then I'm like, okay, let me dig deeper. Maybe there is a connection that I'm missing. Or it's another way of my spirit man saying, okay, maybe that's not the white way of looking at this. Maybe we need to look at it a little bit differently. But I listened to Holy Ghost in that understanding. But so far, this has been my, my, uh, um, my experience up to this point, that as Yahweh shows me a different way of seeing that, he also shows me the connection to how it fits together with the first thing that he showed me about a Hebrew word. Does that make sense, y'all? Hopefully that does, because it, uh, it really begins to open up a, a place of us being able to see beyond. See, one of the core concepts of Hebrew is that, is that, that when we're looking at the, 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 the word itself, when we're looking at what it says, do you realize that, that, that when we look at a Hebrew word, when we look at a Hebrew, uh, let's just use scripture. When we look at scripture and Yahweh begins to reveal to us something, have we ever, have you ever thought about not just looking at what is written, but meditate on it long enough to see what is not written? Have you ever thought about that? To see what is not said, to see what is not written? See, the Bible talks over and over and over again about meditating on his word. And as we begin to, as we begin to, to, to get to the place where we're as we begin to, to connect with the Father, as we are doing now, as we begin to uh, spend that time with the Father, we hear and we know his voice. And we will we begin to, to look at other things that we've heard in Scripture before. And when we're looking at one particular Scripture and it doesn't say something that we know is true in another area, maybe there's a connection there. Maybe there's something to say there. Now, I, 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 here I'm, I promise I want to get into Psalms chapter 21, and I don't know why I'm going this way, but I think it's a great way of, of, uh, of, of helping to learn and to understand something. It's funny, I actually have a, uh, an example of what I'm talking about. There's a scripture that, and I know this was completely off the, off the wall here, so I... 
I was I'm not wasn't necessarily prepared for. But there's a scripture where it talks about that the lame walk and the blind see. Uh, let me see. It's in Old Testament. I believe it's in Isaiah. And then it also has a, well, it's not in Isaiah. Let me try the word blind here. You guys good? You, your eyes all right with me doing this real quick? I know it seems like. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it, Daniel. Amen. All right, here, I think this is the one. Let's try this. No, that's not it. I thought it was an Isaiah 50 something. It's that place where, well, here. Uh, all right, I think this is the, all right, yeah. Okay, the, and I, I again, I, there's this, I, I gotta find the, uh, see if I can find the, the connection back to it, because I think it's in Isaiah somewhere. But the, uh, the scripture here, this is where John had, John the Baptist had been placed into prison. And uh, uh, he he had uh, so the the Yeshua had begun to rise up, and he and and John had already talked about the place of I must decrease so that he may increase, and and this is that part where where John had been been placed into prison. And it says, and it came to pass when Yeshua had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed to teach and preach into their cities. Now, when John had heard the prison in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him. Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, remember that the whole heart of John had been the identification and the pointing out of Yeshua. He had known this since a baby. Matter of fact, he leapt in his mother's womb the moment Yeshua came around. So there was something that was ingrained inside of him that knew that, that, that Yeshua was the Christ, and his job was to pronounce and to declare the coming of the Lord. <clears throat> so why in Matthew chapter 11 does he say, are you the one that should come, or do we look for another? It seems to be a lack of confidence, and many times this is the way this is preached is it looks, it, it, it looks at it from the place of being a lack of confidence. I don't know about that. I'm not saying it's wrong. 
not saying it's wrong. That may be one way you can look at it. And of course, it really brought a lot of a lot of understanding in, in understanding that that it could have been. Maybe he was beginning to question, particularly because at the end of his life, now he had been thrown into prison. But what if, what if John instead was trying to get a message to Yeshua without the the without the king knowing that he had done so so he sends two disciples out and he says uh are you the one that is to come or should we look for another and yeshua answered unto him and said go and show john again these things which you do hear and see the blind receive their sight the lame walk the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. All right, let me see if I can find this connection back. See if it's in here. It has to do with the opening of the prison doors. Uh, Y'all can help me out here. <laughs> Or if you, if you guys know where I'm talking about, I swear it's in lame walk, see doors. My apologies. No. I hope you guys are okay with this. I know you said you were a minute ago, so I know I'm okay, but I'm maybe I need to be careful with what I fill in my <laughs> words with. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Father, help me find it. Anyway, the it's the it's the part in the scripture. This isn't helping me. The uh, the where it talks about. Uh, I am so sorry, y'all. I am going to finish. Apologize for anything. Okay. okay. Is it Isaiah thirty-five? All right, this is saying Isaiah 35, which is where I was earlier, Old Testament, Isaiah, boy, that's hard to see, 35. No, that's not the one. Isaiah 42. 
I, the Lord, have called the end to righteousness, and I will hold thy hand, and I will keep thee, and give a covenant for the people for a light to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring prisoners from prison, and then that sit in the darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praises to graven images. Now, let if we go back to what it said in Matthew 11, verse 5, since we've read that, we found it now. Did you notice something that was missing from the conversation? Jesus answered and said to him, go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sign, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Do you see something missing? The gospel having being preached to the poor? That's true. That's not in the other one, but there's one more thing that's missing. The prison. Right. The prison. Of course, that's the key right there because he was in prison. He was in I prison. I missed that. Thank you, <clears throat> No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. <clears throat> so think about it just a minute. So when we when you look at that and you see Yeshua's response back to John was, but let's just say that this was code talk and and that 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 John was code talking with Yeshua so that the the king and and then his people wouldn't see that what he was actually asking and that was am i going to stay in prison or am i going to be released was what he was really asking here and Yeshua told him everything except the fact that he was not, he was going to be released from prison so he used the scripture itself to answer him back. And it wasn't because of what Yeshua said. It was because of what Yeshua didn't say. I never would have gotten that. That is so brilliant. <clears throat> so it's funny how, and, and you know, see, we've always, we've always looked at the scripture based on the fact of, of what it does say. Now, there is a, I, I do want to, to bring about a little bit of a, a warning, if you will, in the midst of this, because this is something that needs to be heard from the Holy Spirit. And because it's so easy, so many times people have taken the scripture, interpreted it in a completely different way, and, and, it was, and it was towards themselves. It was, in other words, it was using the scripture to harm others or to, to have that's the, to have a, a perspective that was outside of the, the true meaning of what the father is trying to say. Our spirit knows when the father is saying something and we know when it, when it doesn't go with his spirit, because, you know, he loves every one of us. He, you know, even when it comes to, and we're going to talk about this in just a few minutes, I promise. <laughs> we, when, when, even when he, he looks at, the, the scriptures where it talks about him destroying when the where the father has passes judgment there's more than one way to look at that you realize that don't you in other words that that there there is a time where judgment can, needs to come into place but let's go on let me go let me go on let me let me let, now that i've opened the door for you let's look at this from the the perspective of uh, psalms chapter 21 let me just go ahead and go there all right. I just I, I'm 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 excited about this particular uh, scripture today, and uh, 
So as you guys can tell, I was very excited about it last week as well. So I wanted to finish to finish it, but Yahweh opened it up so that we could finish it today. So I want to start with verse verse six. Now I know we went over it last week, but I want to to, to begin with that. Excuse me, verse seven. And in verse seven in the Tehillim, that would actually be verse six in the Psalms chapter twenty one. So if you're following in the King James that I have up on the board, take a look there. For you set him for blessings forever. You gladden him with the joy of your presence. Now, I want to look at this real quick for just a moment. And remember, the this word uh, barakot was the one that I just went over a few moments ago as we were looking at the Hebrew living letters and the way that it pronounced. So this is talking about a place of many blessings, about the place of, of, of really the blessings that would continue. It's connected to, if you will, remember every tav is also a new beginning. All right. So in a sense, when you look at it, when you see the word, when you see the living letter tav in a word, that it's not only talking about the finishing of something, which is what you do see, because tav is the finishing, but tav is always the finishing to every new beginning, right? So that's the things that you don't see. That's the thing that's not written. Does that make sense? That's another way of looking at it. All right. And this word blessings here talks about, and matter of fact, at the, at the bottom section here, it talks about how the blessings of David were passed down to, from generation to generation to generation. And that was what the, the, the scribes were looking at when they were talking about this word barakot here. But I showed you another slightly different way of looking at it. But I love the next word. It's barakot la'ad. Barakot la'ad. Now, the many blessings forever, the word forever here is the Hebrew word la'ad, begins with the living letter lamed. Lamed is the place of learning and teaching. So think about this. We just got done talking about blessings, being separated unto the Father, being in him, and, and how it connects into an everlasting blessing. But how does that blessing come into play? Well, it's kind of hidden inside the Hebrew word for forever here, because Lamed talks about that place of learning, that place of sitting under the tutelage, if you will, of the Holy Ghost and learning and understanding, learning in order to be able to teach, learning in order to be able to speak, learning in order to be able to declare. And from that place of learning, the living letter Ayin comes to play, because that's where we begin to see something. So that place of learning, when the Father begins to share with us and show us through not only just scripture, but our time together with him, it begins to open up our eyes to be able to see another aspect of something that we've never seen before, or maybe just a new aspect of something that, that really begins to minister to our heart. Because Ayin is a place where not only we're able to see something, but it's also the revealing of a sun. All right. Now, what do I mean by that? The left part of Ayin, there's a, there's a Y at the top of Ayin. It kind of looks like a Y. The left side of that, of that Y is, is a Zayin, and it's a sword. The right side of Ayin, the part that goes down below as well, the upper part and the part that goes down below is, uh, or makes the tail of the Y, if you will, 
is the live is, is actually a living letter nun hidden inside of there. And so the Zayin, the sword, is piercing the belly of the sun, opening it up to see what's inside. All right. So in other words, it reveals the, the sun. It reveals not only the sun in the sense of being revealed into the earth, but it also opens the sun up to reveal what's hidden inside. Now, remember that we, it's, it's not just about us being revealed into the earth. There's, there's a place that we have the personal responsibility of, of allowing the Father to reveal to us what is inside of us so that we can, we can address it. If you will, the way I like to look at it is like veils. There, are, there was only one veil that the Father put up, and that veil was rent in two by Yeshua. And so I asked the question of the Father one day, why do veils remain? Why do there seemingly be, uh, why does there seem to be veils that remain? And the father immediately told me, he said, these are veils that you placed up, you put up, because religion or other things told you that I could not come through that direction. So you put a veil up that blocked me from being able to, you began to box me in and only allowed me to come through one particular pathway to you. He said, I want to come at you from many different directions. I want to allow these places where you have blocked off understanding for those veils to come down so that I can reveal a whole new aspect to you. And in doing so, I'm able to go through what in the Hebrew is called tikkun. It's called the repair of the, or, or the, the really it's called repair. Uh, tikkun olam is a, a Hebrew word that, that means repair of the world. But the concept tikkun olam, means if you want to repair the world, you fix yourself first. That's the concept of tikkun olam. So think about that in conjunction with what I'm saying. There are veils that I have placed up. Listen carefully to what I'm about ready to say, because these veils are not the responsibility of the father to tear down. They're my responsibility. I put them up. It's my responsibility to take them down. Does that make sense? Hence the reason why the father many times will take his zayin, the sword of his word. He'll open us up and say, well, okay, wait. And he begin to reveal to us a place where there's a veil there. And when, when he does, that gives us the opportunity to rip, rip that veil and to tear that veil down so that the father's light can go to a place that has not had light prior to that. Does that make sense? Because we blocked it off. So I love this la'ad because the blessings forever comes through this place of learning to be able to teach and him beginning to reveal the depths of who I am inside of him. And that brings me to the place of a door, an eternal door and an eternal porter that a portal that allows the blessings to come through. Not only that, but it allows us to move from one dimension, if you will, into a whole new dimension, a whole new place. So I love that. You gladden him with the joy of your presence, for the king trusts in Hashem. I love this. For the king, he's talking about David, and David's talking about himself. Trusts. Now, there's a Hebrew word for trust that's uh, betuach. Now, betuach is that place of, of, if you will, a singular version or a, how do I want to say that? Betuach means I'm declaring that I trust in the Lord. This is the same Hebrew letters, but it's pronounced a little bit differently. 
it's boteach, boteach. So it's, again, it's just a slightly different way of saying it, but that's because it is a, another perspective. Because in this case, this boteach is, is an actual place of not just declaring that I trust in the Lord, but it's a verb saying that I am trusting in the Lord. Does that make sense? Just like our word trust versus trusting, I can say, I trust in you, Lord. But until I walk through something, now I'm trusting in the Father. Same thing, all right? So, for the king trusts in Hashem, and in the kindness of the Most High, he will not falter. Your hand will suffice for all your enemies. Your right hand will find your foes. You will make them like a furnace of fire at the time of your anger. May Hashem in his wrath consume them and let a fire devour them. Now, I started to talk about that just a few moments ago. And I said, hold on, let me get into this part of it. Because I want to read this again. And I want to focus on what it sounds like to our initial ears. And then I want to give you another way of looking at it. All right. It says in here, for all your enemies, your right hand will find your foe. Your right hand will find your foes. You will make them like a furnace of fire at the time of your anger. All right, just let's stop right there. You will make them a furnace of fire at the time of your anger. Now, I can look at that from the perspective of that, that Yahweh himself is judging the people. And similar to what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, there was, there was the, the, the fire and brimstone that came down out of the heavens and destroyed the two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so there was a natural perspective of literal fire coming down on the earth. And that is one thing that can potentially happen. Of course, now science has gone back and said that they have discovered that it could have been a uh, meteor that actually hit the ground, bounced off the ground and landed on Sodom and Gomorrah at the right angle that caused the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because it was broken up into uh, many different pieces. Now, whether all that's true or not, I don't, I don't know, but I do believe that the father uses natural occurrences they're miracles because they all focused on the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? That's miraculous, the fact that it only hit those two cities. But in the same breath, it was a very natural occurrence that brought it about, right? Kind of the story I heard one time, a, a rabbi say one time about uh, a guy who needed a particular herb. His, his life was in danger, and this herb would cure him from the, 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 uh, the disease, the problem was that it was six months out and he only had just a few months to live. And uh, so and he, they couldn't get the herb fast enough. And at the time while they were discussing and the knock came on the door and someone said, a ship just arrived in port that has that herb on it right now. Now, of course, that's miraculous, but at the same time, it was using the conventions of, of what was going on. Now, now, does that diminish the other miraculous things? No, no, all right? Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me here. I'm just saying, let's just kind of, anyway, just bringing up another perspective, that's all. All right, so like Sodom and Gomorrah, he brought the fire to devour them and, and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
But let's look at this from another perspective. Matter of fact, let's kind of look at it from the perspective of some things that are going on in the world right now. Sort of. All right. <laughs> well, I, anyway, I should have left that one to your memory. I mean, to your to your own imagination. But anyway, the the fact that that many times a where where someone sets up a trap, especially for the people of God, that that trap ends up being turned back on those that set up the trap. And so the fire that's created was the fire that was created by the enemies to try to destroy the people of God. But then in the midst of that fire, the people of God are never touched. And those who set the fire are destroyed by their own fire. Now, either one of these could be true here. They either one could be true where they've set up a trap and Yahweh has saved us. Remember the scriptures that talk about this. He saved us out of the snare of the fowler, right? And so let their, let their own fire, let the fire that they set devour themselves. It's still judgment, but they pronounced the judgment really on themselves. Does that make sense? So again, the Father loves, I want to, I want to, I want to make sure that this, this is coming through. There's a basic tenet of Hebrew thought that we did not necessarily know as Christians. And that basic tenet of, of Hebrew thought is that Yahweh loves everyone, everyone, even the wicked. And in the place where the wicked have set out to destroy the people of God, they themselves will create something that will allow them to fall into it themselves, and they've already judged themselves. Matter of fact, kind of to me, it starts from making me think about the scripture that says, judge yourself and you will not be judged, you know, and in the case of this, they're judging the people of God wrongly, and that judgment comes back on them. Anyway, it's, it's uh, oh, there's a stirring in me on this one. Uh. Their progeny from the earth destroy and their offspring from mankind, for they have directed against you evil, and they have devised a scheme that they cannot carry out. They have devised a scheme that they cannot carry out. Because again, the people, so I, I know what I was trying to say earlier, and I, I lost my train of thought because I, I, I could feel the spirit stirring in me about something. And that is the fact that if Yahweh loves everyone, don't you think that he cries when he does have to pass judgment or when judgment is passed on a particular, in a particular way? Absolutely. I mean, I can prove that to you in scripture where at the, on the other side of the Red Sea, Moshe heard the father crying and he asked him, why are you crying? He says, I'm crying for my people, Egypt. I had to destroy my people, Egypt, and I didn't want to. I did not want to do that. That's why now, now that is why there's, there's a lot more to that story there, but that is why the second cup of the Passover Seder, 10 drops are removed from the second cup. You dip your finger in 10 times and place them on a napkin. And that's because of the tears that were shed for the 10 plagues that came upon the Egyptians to try to get them to repent, but they chose not to. And so the, the actual Passover Seder prayer during that, that, that second cup is shortened again out of the morning of the, of the morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the morning of the father of the people Egypt. 
he did not want to have to destroy them. There's a basic tenet of that that, that I want to make sure that, that we hear. All are together as one. We don't want to see the evil being or the, the wicked being destroyed. Now, will they be destroyed? But they're going to be destroyed by their own, by their own guys, by their own schemes. That's what the scripture says right here. They will fall into their own schemes, right? But what we do want to do is to pray for them. What we do want to do is to cry out for their salvation, cry out for that place of them seeing the truth of the Father. Let me say that scripture. For you will place them as a portion apart. No, 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 wrong one. The pro, their progeny from the earth destroy and their offspring from mankind. For there, here it is. For they have directed against you evil and they have devised a scheme they cannot carry out. For you shall place them as a portion apart with your bowstrings. You will aim at their faces. Be exalted, Hashem, in your might. We shall sing and chant the praise of your omnipotence. <sighs> Father, thank you for bringing about this new way of, of seeing these things, Father, that, that your heart is not about an us and them. It's not about a separation. It's not about separation theology. As a matter of fact, it's about Echad, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Father, allow us to be able to see the, the, the light of Yahweh, the Einsof, the pure light of Yahweh that is in each and every one of us. Because in, in seeing that and recognizing that, then, Father, that we can love even someone who, who presents themselves as unlovable. We can love them because we see their light inside of you. And you've given us the ability to see past even those veils. You see, that, that, that's that place where I was talking about veils just a few moments ago goes more than just one way. They can, we can not only see past veils on the inside of us. Now, I'm not talking about looking and finding sin in someone else. So please bear that in mind. Yahweh does that only under certain circumstances. And very, very, very rarely will he reveal something like that to someone and, and, and pass it. But what he can give us the ability to do is see past the veil of pain, see past the veil of hurts, see past the veil of, of, of wanting to be separated, seeing past their veils to see the pure light of Yahweh and address that pure light of Yahweh inside of others as well. Does that make sense? I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want that gift of being able to, to pick out, to point out sin. Truth is, is that, <laughs> truth is, is that's been going on for the last 2,000 years, and I'm a little sick of it. <laughs> because it's that's all you know it's it's created an us and them environment and not an echad environment not an echad mindset and so father thank you that you are bringing us together as one here and allowing us to see even past that and father if someone does have an evil scheme father we pray for them that they will begin to oh their their eyes will begin to open 
so that they see that the, that the very snare that they set for us will cause them to fall into it and they turn away from the trap. Father, let them see that, that they, will be, they will be trapped by their own trap and allow them to walk away and to you, Father. We don't want them trapped in their own trap either. We want to see them saved as well. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I'm tired of the yes. I'm tired of the yes and thems. I really am. Charisma, go ahead. We've got time. I wanna. I wanna make sure that we we have some engagement time today. Come on up. Uh, yeah. Well, the the whole thing about pointing out other people's flaws and faults and whatever. That's more like in most cases, maybe, of course, not all, but in most cases, I believe that's a familiar spirit speaking into whoever is speaking out the faults of others, especially when they're exposing it to a whole audience of people, because that's not Yahweh's way. No, no, no. I think there are times though, where, where, that uh, just just for the balance of that, because I know I said that, and I agree with you too. I think there is a balance at the same time. I think there are times when when things need to be said in front of a group of people, especially if it's uh, it's someone does not want to turn from the way that they've been doing something, and it's something that can harm others. Does that make sense? Then there, then it's no longer about the person; it's more about protecting the other people that are around. So, so you agree with the balance there, there's a, there, and that's why I say that the, if you, if we really stop to think about it in that perspective, then it's the person who's chosen where their own, they've already judged themselves. I will not turn from this. I will do exactly the way I've always done. It. They made a choice and someone else has to say, no, you can make that choice all your own, but you're not doing it here. Get out of here. You know that sort that sort of thing. So, but that's that's good charisma. I like that. That that wasn't what I had in mind at all. No, I agree with you completely about that. I, there was an it, something oh, that was totally and just uncalled for, and and uh, someone was in a very bad situation. It wasn't me. Yeah. Well, not actually this particular person would just go and just say this about this one, that about that one that was had nothing to do with anyone else it was just. Uh, it was I totally agree with what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, that was not what I know was behind <laughs> what I said at all. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I know. Bear in mind, uh, Charisma, and I, I just realized as I was saying that, and you responded, both of us were right, and in the way that we're we're looking at it from that perspective. But since these videos go on to YouTube, uh, I felt like the other side needed to be also brought up, where where there are times when there is a balance, and uh, in in those things. So that's what I was. That's the reason I was doing it. So many times when you see me do that. I'm not correcting anybody. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think you took it that way either that I was correcting you. But I, at the same breath, I want to let you know that uh, that's the teacher in me coming out and then allowing that balance to be seen in, in that. 
because I will, I, you know, I have had people say, but wait a minute, it could be this way. Well, yes, it could be this way. The father just told me to speak about it this way for right now, you know, versus the other way of looking at it. <laughs> so on the yeah. same hand, I wanted to let you know that I totally agreed with what you yeah. said, because that wasn't how I meant it. So I was really glad for your clarification on the other side. That was very needed. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'd so honor you, Charisma. I appreciate you being a part of of uh, of these these classes. It's you know you've been faithful in being here, and it's a uh, it's always awesome to have you, Debbie, and uh, and Andrea. Uh, and I know Mary Lou was here, but I don't know what happened to her. Uh, but it's it's an honor to have you guys here. I love doing these. We're 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 getting very very close to Psalms chapter twenty three, which was probably one one that that all of us have been looking for. We are going to do Psalms chapter 22, though, next week. Next week. We're not quite there yet, uh, but there is some really good stuff in Psalms chapter 22 that, that I want to, uh, to be able to walk through. Although Psalms chapter 22 is a longer psalm, so that may be over a couple of weeks uh, that we, we end up doing that one. I don't know if I can do all of Psalms chapter 22 in, in one in one meeting, but I want to I want to thank you for for being here, Debbie. You too. I don't know. I, Andrea must have had to uh, to go real quick. But y'all have any other questions or anything? I, yeah, I, I I almost I almost hesitated in saying that, and I want to leave it to your own uh, imagination when it comes to this, just in case anybody. <laughs> there is some sort of a algorithm that's out there that's listening to everything that we say. <laughs> I'll leave that to your own imagination, but doesn't it fit where some of the traps that have been laid here recently <laughs> are, are going to, are not going to come to fruition that, that even those who have set the traps will, uh, fall into the trap themselves. And although I don't want to rejoice over that, my heart is never to rejoice over that. My heart is father, open their eyes to see, to see who you are. Charisma, go ahead and come on up. I saw your hand. Oh, you're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Just we could to be hear you. real, real. I'll try to condense this. Just for the immediacy of it. No, I'm, I'm thrilled for anything bad for other people to, to be stopped, and I don't want to see anything bad happen to anyone. I want everyone to see the truth and have be able to choose knowingly who they will serve. Amen. To have the veils ripped off of them so that they can see and choose knowingly. But that mm -hmm. wasn't what I was. That, before that was oh oh yes i wanted to ask you about the the mark um people uh, that the lord marking people now mm -hmm. i would you uh expound on that please thank you sure well the 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 living letter tav not only talks about a place of finishing it's also a place of marking As a matter of fact the paleo version of the living letter tav is an x all right and, and so I, I know when, when Yahweh first, uh, there you go, there you go. 
when Yahweh first showed me that, the first thing that came to mind was a treasure map where X marked the spot. All right. So not only was it the fulfillment of the completion of a journey, you know, let's say I was a, a I was a, a buccaneer or something or a, a, a sailor going out in search of treasure. And I finally, I mean, I've been given a treasure map and I finally find the place where the treasure is hidden. I dig it up. Now there's a process that goes through that and it's turmoil. There's, there's a lot of things that happen along the journey in finding that, but I come to it. And from that point on, I am marked as being one who has found the treasure. So there's also talks about uh, the, the, the place of, of, in scripture where it talks about the mark that was placed on the sons that believe. Now I talk about revelations and, and of course the other mark that I don't even want to talk about right now, but I, I don't, I don't want to get into eschatology conversation uh, and, and end times and the mark of the beast, but, but the marking up upon the sons. And so to me, the Tav is the place of where as a son, this is the way I see it. When, when we've asked Yahweh into our hearts and we become a son and we begin to operate from that place of being in sonship, then does Yahweh see us in this place of the moment where we are right now? Or because he is beyond time, does he see the, the finishing from the beginning? Well, everything through scripture talks about him seeing things from the finishing to the beginning. And so he sees us in that place of being completed, full, lacking nothing. And, and it's from that place that, that he then moves. The, the, the part that we're walking through is the part of, of, the, of where we're understanding the finishing of that. And, and, and in doing so, Yahweh begins to open up the ability for us to see who we really are. It's kind of like, I've, I've said this before, without turmoil, how can you really know what peace is? Without challenge, how can you know what treasure is? You see what I mean? If I was to able to walk over to something and dig it up, treasure would, would, would not, the treasure itself would not be as valuable, as valuable as it was if I had gone through a long and hard and arduous journey of many trials and many things going on. And then I get to that and I find that that I'm looking for. I treasure it far more. And, and, and it's a part, now there's a, there's a deeper Hebrew concept that's going on here. There really is. And I don't have time to get into that right now, but let's just say that that's the part of us that helps us begin to realize who we really are as sons. And in doing so, we can then honor that place of the, of the authority and the power and the treasures that, that the Father has given us. So to me, that marking is that place, that marking of knowing that one, I'm a son, but yet at the same time, I'm being marked as one who is maturing as well. So that's kind of what I mean by that. It's, 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 more, than just, it's more than just having like a mark and 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 because because sometimes if you think about it from that perspective, then marking would be a separation. And yes, that would hope. Oh, now now I'm getting too deep. I'll stop right there. Anyway, you get <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say, right? There there, and I'll let I'll let Holy Ghost fill in the rest from 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 that point. But but uh, I see us as being marked as 
sons. And that means both the place of being completed and yet walking through. All right. Good. Andrea, yeah. Yeah, you had mentioned earlier about God's tears over the Egyptians. Um, do you know where that is or just a, a, a general reference where I can go back I, to that I story? To look it or... back up again, but uh... it's Exodus. Could be an Exodus somewhere. Uh, the the it uh, oh. uh it, the, some of the story is there are there is a deeper teaching to that that uh, okay. that references that references that okay there's that's uh, gotcha. that it doesn't explicitly say that in scripture uh, but it does it does allude to it it does allude to it but doesn't specifically state it okay and it's funny okay. because a lot of scripture does. And that's that's kind of good charisma, a little bit of what 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 I was talking about earlier, and Debbie, uh, that that sometimes it's a not about what is said. It's not. It's about sometimes what's not said, because there's there's a place where it opens up and says it kind of it kind of leans towards that. At least our minds kind of go, okay, why did he say it just like that? That kind of opens the door to to seeing something from this perspective, but he doesn't actually mm-hmm. say, it. all right. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, where where Holy Ghost begins to reveal to us those things that are hidden. Remember that the scripture is is the scripture is not able to be to be read and and understood like a true son would be able to read and understand it, because a true a son knows the voice of his father. He knows who his father is. Someone who's not saved can read the scripture and change it to a lot of different ways. But that's because there are treasures and mysteries and riddles that are hidden inside of it that are meant for the sons who are able to look past. Now, it's funny. The Shin Gadol is the letter that begins to open that up. Now, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the Shin Gadol, the Shin Gadol is a, is a Hebrew letter that is never used in a Hebrew word. And the only time that it's used is on, on certain uh, things like the the mezuzah and as well as the uh, tefillin that are worn by the those who are praying the, the little boxes that go on their heads uh, for by by a Hebrew person who's praying and and uh, the shin gadol let's just say this I don't want to get into the shin gadol right now let's just say this the shin gadol represents the world that is to come so it's talking about this place of of the the, the time of Mashiach the time of Messiah, the time that we are in, because we know Yeshua as that Messiah. But not only that, it's, it's, it's speaking of uh, that which is beyond. Let's just, I'll leave it right there. That which is beyond, all right? So just to let you know that there is a Hebrew uh, context in which what I'm saying is true, and the Shin Gadol is that letter that 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 essentially proves what I'm saying. It's it's talking about looking at something that's beyond. So did I answer your question, Andrea? Yes, thank you. Yes. All right, good. All right. Anybody else? Any questions? 
because if not, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, stop the recording. <laughs>